0: What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Stack City Podcast. I am your host, the one and only Vinny Milani, joined as always by your boy, the reigning, the defending, undisputed, somewhat heavyweight, valedictorian of the show, AJ Johnson. And below we have my best friend in the whole entire world, Aaron. The Muke and beside him, below me, we have the smoothest voice in sports casting. Good old Dylan Kearns
1: is a you. beautiful
0: May 25th evening here in the city. Episode 33 is about to kick off. We are diving into the NFC North and their schedule and what their 2022 outlook is. That's the Packers, the Lions, Bears, and Vikings. If you didn't know, now you know. Aaron, you have something to talk about that you wanted to bring up on the show, but I can't go there yet. I know that you had a top story, but I didn't, I like tried to make sure that we didn't have a top story. And it's okay to have your top story because it's a big top story. I'm sorry to do this on this show, but the world has to be better. Okay. The world has to be better. There was obviously, if you guys have not heard, there was a, a school sh- another school shooting in Texas uh, the other day, and as of right as of this morning, 19 children and two teachers died from the shooting, and I just wanted to bring this up because it's absurd, and we have to be better. And I know this show we have not really used this platform to, to dive into all of that, but we have to, and I, I we can't. We can't. I, I, if you're watching this, just be better. Do do something to change the world every day, okay? Whether it's going out and being nice, even even the slightest thing of being nice to somebody. We have to be better as human beings. We have to be better as a society. I'm not gonna go out and say what 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 the politics of the world to change this and fix this, but something has to be done, and we all have to be better. Sorry for going on that on that little tangent. But it needed to be said, that's my top story tonight.
2: Yeah, there's no need to apologize. It's a very, very real and important thing. I mean, to see that again, 10 years after Sandy Hook, another one of the most massive school shootings in U.S. history, this is ridiculous. I mean, it doesn't happen like this in other places. Everyone thinks the fact that we want people to change the gun laws and have gun reform means we want to take away people's rights to have guns. No, we want to stop children from living in fear and going to school. Like, I mean, some of us here, we were blessed to not have to really worry about that too much when we were in school. You know, school is a yeah. safe place where our friends were there. We can go play basketball and laugh and get away from whatever little stress you had as a child at home and have an enjoyable time. Now, I mean, I could not fathom being a kid and wanting to go to school. I It would scare the living shit out of me. I would beg to be homeschooled. I'll find friends another way. The internet's a massive place. And and it shouldn't yeah. be like that. that. That should be something these kids never have to worry about. Something these parents, these families should never have to worry about. It's already yeah, too they're... hard to put the safety of a child in somebody else's hand. And now to ever believe in it again, I couldn't I couldn't imagine.
0: Yeah. There's multiple sides to this to be, even be worried about. The, the, the kid's standpoint, the family standpoint. And we have our, a, a teacher in the chat, our boy Sherm, from his standpoint, as a teacher, going into that every day of your workplace, having to worry about that. We just have to be better, and again, this show, we have a platform here. Everyone who has a platform to speak out about this, even as a social, on social media, let your mind be heard and make sure that we are spreading change in this world because we all have to be better. Dylan, Aaron, did you have anything to say on this, or do you want to move on to? I'll
3: topic? let Dylan go first. I do have something to say, but I'll let Dylan go first.
1: Yeah, um, it's just terrible. I mean, there's, it's, it's ridiculous. We got to live this way now. And I mean, I, I don't have children. I can't speak to that side of it, but I mean, it's, it scares the living hell out of me uh, for the day that I do, because it's, I mean, it's not getting much better these last few years and just hope that things can change. I mean, it's just sad. And I, um, One of my mom's friends told me, she said she was at her uh, oldest son, he graduated elementary school yesterday. And she was there at the ceremony and said, "This is awesome, like she had a great time, and then she's sitting there thinking like, "Man, nineteen children, the parents of those kids, will never get to experience what I just experienced today and it's just it's absolutely heartbreaking and it's terrible i mean it's 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 sad
3: <clears throat> um." I'll just say this and I don't want to be too long. Uh, I I posted on Facebook earlier in a couple of different groups. I posted on my personal page. This is obviously something that I've been very emotional about. Um, I don't know any of those 19, 20, 21 kids that, that were, that were killed. I don't know the teachers, but I do have children. Um, I'm very good friends with teachers and um, it's just, it's sad, man. It's just sad. There's no words to explain it. Um, Everybody saw the Steve Kerr rant before the golden state game about, You know, gun laws like my point is not even about gun laws. It's not about any. It's just about being better people. Like Vinny said, Um, it's very, very emotional being a parent, having kids who are in elementary school to turn on the news or get a tweet or whatever and find out that, you know, this many children were killed while they were trying to get an education. Um, and what's supposed to be a safe space. And it definitely makes you think about wanting your children not to be in school. Um, I've thought, I've talked about it with my wife, I mentioned it last night to a bunch of parents of kids that were in high school, that there's a very good chance that more and more people start to take a look at the fact of online learning, um, which we all experienced during COVID and just being able to keep our, our children safe from this kind of this kind of thing. So no matter the circumstances, no matter the age of the individual who did it, it's just something that shouldn't happen. It's unfortunate and um, I'm emotional over it. I'm not gonna hide that emotion. I've told everybody that. Um, the fact of the matter is, is it's just sad. And as a father, it's, it's something that I don't deal with very well because of what children in this world mean to me. So um, I pray for those families. Uh, but I just hope we get to a day where we don't have to do that, where we don't have to sit up here and take moments of silence like Steve Kerr said or pray for families because they lost their kid in a in a school shooting. So um, anybody that's listening, I encourage you, like Vinny said, to use your platform, whatever platform that may be, to spread positivity in that in that light and not – the negative, you know, back and forth arguing over laws and the political side of it, but just how do we come to a resolution um, as individuals, as members of a community, a- and make things better? So um, I'll leave it at that. But again, prayers and with all the families and the teachers. And um, I'm rooting for something to happen and something to happen quickly.
0: Well said. Well said. I, um, I didn't mean to, to get you emotional on the show, Aaron. And I apologize. It's not you.
3: I've been That's- doing it all day, man. I've been, no, it's I, just I know. random I- time this posts i see it's you know pictures of kids faces and you know picking my own kids up from school it's not easy and uh it's but Jeez. it's life and i don't want to hide like i don't want to hide that fact that it's <laughs> we should be emotional over it because it's an important it's an important thing it's much more important than the nfc north i'll tell you that yeah. and we're going to get into it we're going to have fun and we're yeah. going to do all that stuff but it is definitely much more important than that
2: and if you can if you can just because i mean just those words alone you said like what was that drive like to go pick your kids up man
3: it's not easy when you hear the news, you want to go get them right away, even though it's not happening near you. um, It's, it's just unfathomable. And there's been, it hasn't just been, you know, shootings in these schools, the same day the shooting happens, there's a two year, or I'm sorry, a second grader in one of the Sacramento school districts, which we're currently in, who brought a loaded gun, who had a gun and a clip in his, and kids told, and you know, nothing happened, thankfully, but that happened. That's a second grader. so, it's just more than just the shooting itself. It brings, yeah. and you know, Sherm just mentioned in the in the comments, this is not just about one school shooting. This is the supermarket where you know, you know, so many black people were killed because there's targeting hate, and then there's the down south in a church where um, Asians were targeted. Like, this is not just one incident. This is a um, a number of incidents that are compounding each other, and we don't talk about those things on this show because we do like to keep it light and keep people positive. But when it continues to happen, we would be doing a disservice, not taking our platform for whoever's listening, whether it's one or 10 million people to speak out about it and say it's not OK and that there needs to be change, because it's going to take all of us in order for that change to happen.
2: Appreciate that.
0: Great. Great. Uh, it's always this is always, this is probably the hardest part of my job is trying to transition <laughs> this back into football and. Um, But it definitely needed to be said. I appreciate you guys all joining in here and and discussing this with with everybody here, everybody in the chat. We appreciate you tuning in. Uh, We do have a show coming up, though. Uh, The NFC North, we are diving into the schedules and breaking down the Packers, Bears, Vikings, and Lions schedule in their 2022 outlook. Uh, But Aaron, uh, (laughs) probably harder for you now because this is your top story and you legit have to shift gears. So uh, what is the top story in the NFL today?
3: Yeah. You know, I wish we had this actually, what to say this Wednesday. I wish we had this Monday uh, because we did the NFC West, but there's, uh, I don't know if anybody saw it, but Javon Kinlaw of the 49ers has been going back and forth with a, a beat reporter. And I don't even want to say this, this guy's name. I really don't. I don't want to put his name out there because I don't think he deserves the glory in which he's going to get or People are going to go watch his videos and all that. Uh, but there was an altercation basically that's been ongoing for a number of years since Kinlaw has come into the NFL um, and so he invited he invited Kinlaw on his podcast to kind of, I guess, squash it. Uh, but the more I watch the video, the more I've looked into the history in the past. Basically, what it's about is this guy is going at this player. He's been pretty unsuccessful so far. He's calling him a bust. He's been injured. But he's not letting it go. And he's like trying to almost make this guy react, make Kinlaw react to his... I don't want to say it like he's... To me, and I, I, the reason I wanted to bring this up, let me just get to the point. The reason I wanted to bring this up, because I want all three of your opinions about journalism and ethics. Again, we've had this conversation before about how you go at a player. We sit on this show often, and we make fun of Kenny Pickett's baby hands. And, you know, we talk about Baker Mayfield, you know, not being a very good quarterback and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, we we there's something to be said about being lighthearted about it. Um, when you're talking to individuals and you're approaching them and you're asking them questions and you're a beat writer for a team, you have a responsibility that you're trying to work in conjunction with these athletes to paint stories and pictures and give information. And I thought, I'll give you my opinion. I thought he stepped over the line. This has been an ongoing issue. He's called this man trash a number of times. He's made um, inappropriate jokes about him. And when he got confronted about it, he basically is, is saying, oh, then now look at this guy. This is what he is. He's out of line. And I, I, I felt like he took it too far. I felt like if I'm a 49ers player, I would never respect that reporter. And I wanted to get your guys' take on that if you were able to, to Wait, see what
0: happened. I, I, I don't, I'll I just jump in first Here is There is a line. Uh, you have to have respect. Like I think that that's where we have because you, you brought it up. We make fun. We would make jokes all the time on the show, whether it be Kenny, Baby Hans Pickett, or the He Who Shall Not Be Named, maybe a Mitch Trubisky or even a Gregory Rousseau, like it's,
3: Eli Apple, it's like Eli
0: Apple, like it's all about it's all about respect though. And there's that line of I, like we're not just trying to do it for like there's some people out there in the media that solely do this for the fame and solely do this for attention, and that's what I saw. I saw the video today and i was like this guy and 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 the, the first sadly the first thing i thought about was oh my god this beat writer is going to be loving this because he now has the attend in nfl superstar even if he's not a even if he's not a sorry a superstar of the nfl maybe he's not a top guy but you have a very notable first round pick on your show matt no matter what he's talking about you are going to get those views and that's where the line has to be drawn. You have to draw the line between respecting the player and being a and, a, and being a host, because we could go on here making fun of whatever player it is, but none of us are going to step on that football field. That jabroni who's talking about the Niners isn't going to step on the football field and go up against offensive linemen trying to sack the quarterback. They get dummyed. They get buried. And that's where it is. It's the respect that the that we all have to have for the players, the game our jobs and what we do as, as members of the media.
3: He's, I mean, he's a bit, he's, he's a name out here in the Bay area. Like people know him. So he's been a San Francisco 49er guy for a while. Like people know of him. He's not like internet or, you know, not universally known, but he's known out here. And this is not the first time he's had questionable um, ethics to per se. Um, and to me, I, I know Debo Samuel and George Kittle came out with tweets or uh, responses saying this is the kind of guy that's like he's almost causing tension and causing that fracture in a locker room and drawing attention away from what these guys are trying to do professionally uh, because then you have to make statements like, hey, I'm trying to feed my family. So um, we we get the players and I've said this on the show, like as a player, you have to be able to handle the criticism. He signed up for it but there is still a line and there's still a level of criticism. Like it, when you get to the point where this guy now has had two bad seasons, he's almost considered a bust. Why are you still harping on talking about this man? Every little thing he does. I mean, he said it, he said, Hey man, I've been injured. Let me have a bad year this year. And then you can come at me, but like, let me have that bad year. So, like stop trying to egg me on and, and cause me to get mad. And, and, and this is, you've seen it. Kinlaw was pissed. He blew up. And it wasn't a good look for Kinlaw. It wasn't. He didn't, he, you know, he He didn't handle himself appropriately, but I could understand the frustration. And um, to me, I thought it was worth mentioning. And a guy like that, and again, the reason I haven't mentioned his name is because I don't want to, um, doesn't deserve the national attention he is now going to get because of this story.
0: Dylan, I know you're, you're going to go and just say, I just want to bring this up. That's the shittiest part about all of this. Is we can and we talk about this in all the sports when it was I, I can't remember the NBA player that had something something thrown at him I think it was Kyrie Irving it might have been Kyrie Irving but like so
1: many, we have so as
0: fans yeah there's so many people but like we as fans have so much leeway with everything but then a player tries to do something back and it just looks disrespectful so it's it it's really unfortunate how things go with like and the 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 level of uh. The level that these players are at and where we are at, like how they can just—if they do one thing bad, they get shat on, they're banished, they're just torn into—and then this jabroni could be disrespectful, and no one bats an eye because he's a nobody. Dylan, you can go ahead.
1: So my story is a different sport, but it still goes here when you look at the um, <clears throat> athletes and media and the way it goes. And I mean, this is one of those things—you so have to respect the player deep down, no matter what. You have to respect. You can say what you want about them, but if they come back to you. Just handle it classly, respect professionalism. That's how it's done. I'll tell you a story here. Marlon Byrd, an outfielder for the Chicago Cubs, um, and David Kaplan, a reporter for the Cubs. Now he does, he's done TV for years. He's been a big journalist in Chicago for a long time. Well, it was on the 2012 team where they were just absolutely horrible, one of the worst records in baseball. They're wearing goat shirts, the, the curse of the goat from 2003. They're wearing them in batting practice. They're laughing, having fun, getting killed 10-0. He goes on a show, roasts them. Next day, Marlon Bird walks up to him as he's in the batting cage and says, look, you got to stop that shit. And he confronted him, and he absolutely he wouldn't talk to him for years after that. Fast forward five years after his playing career, Marlon Byrd's sitting there in an interview with the guy he criticized and he's trying to get with the network and said, look, I was out of pocket a few years ago. I just wanted to let you know. They ended up working together at NBC. They put their differences aside. They went on from there. But the bottom line is that's that respect from an athlete and a media member that you need to have. And, I mean, that, that's something that you have to have in this business. There's, there's no doubt about it. And uh, you just you have to respect them for what they do. And, sure, you can criticize them. That's your job. Aaron said it on, on Monday. I mean, it's, it's, it's their job. I mean, you get, get that exposure. You can't take us away. But the bottom line is the respect has to be there, and you have to show professionalism.
2: I think you guys covered it for the most part, and you're, you know, you're spot on. I, the one thing that comes to my mind is it's this type of guy that is going to hinder the media pundits coming up from getting the type of relationships that we want to have with these players. These guys, I mean, that's what it's about, like getting these sources and getting these possible direct lines to certain players. It's going to become so much more difficult because it's becoming harder and harder to trust any of the, any of the guys who are in the media. I know this one's not the media, but I think about like what just happened in baseball with John Donaldson and Tim Anderson. You know, on one, like it took 10 minutes for John Donaldson to come out and say, I thought we were friends. We've had this conversation over and over again. Then the media spun it one way and Tim Anderson comes out and says, I never once said that. Like you don't even know who to trust anymore. Who's saying what line to get this clickbait view lifestyle or get the views or get the followers like. It's just it worries me when we get out into the field and we we get the the credentials. We know we're going to get here at Sack City, even though we're ethical and we're respectful. You know, I, everything is going to be kept at an arm's length from moving forward because you just don't know who to trust. And it's things like this and guys like this who just say things to get the clout and don't really have any respect or real idea of what it's doing to the player or the organization or the relationship between the media and the league. So. That's the only thought that really comes to my mind about it. And I hope, I hope it gets better going forward.
0: And, and to that, we have to, we have to move past. Okay, we just want the clicks, we just want the headlines. We just, it, there has to be a fine line and a balance between that and being a respectful media a member of the media, and that's what we bring here at the Sac City Podcast because we do like to have fun, even with our boy Kenny Baby Hands Pickett, which you will see in just a few seconds, uh, and everything else that we do. Again, NFC North coverage is coming up in just a few moments. But AJ, you hear it. You're feeling it. You're vibing it. Feel it in the bones. Tell them where they can follow us at.
2: And look, I just want Kenny Pickett to know we respect those baby hands. They're really good, baby hands. Those are $20 million baby hands. You should be very proud. <laughs> and take those baby hands, find a keyboard, and type in Sac City Pod at Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok. You know the deal, we are killing it on social media. So don't miss out. There's content left, there's content right, there's content right in front of your eyes. So make sure you've gone to Sac City Pod at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Hit those likes, hit those follows, hit those shares. And the most important part, tell somebody. Word of mouth is the strongest form of advertising. If you tell a friend, that friend might listen to you unless they just don't respect you at all. and That's a whole other story <laughs> for yourself to figure out i got nothing to do with that Find either new way
0: friends. snack city pod baby <laughs> there it is interact 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 we are buzzing on all social media platforms nowadays whether that be tiktok or whatever aj all the social platforms that aj just said interact enjoy uh and if you miss the show or want to listen to it again and you're maybe in your car and you can't watch. Tune in uh, us on all podcasting platforms. We're there as well. Uh, every day of the week, we have content popping up on there. Um, so be sure to check us out on wherever you get your podcast. The Green Bay Packers is where we are jumping into first in the NFC North. Their schedule looks like this with five primetime games and a nice little ho-ho-ho in Miami against the Dolphins on Christmas Day. <laughs> The Packers schedule looks like this. AJ, I know I've loaded you up here. You've gone back to back and now back on talking points here, but I wanted to start with you first in the storyline game for the Packers because I really like where you uh I really like where you're going here. So, what's the biggest storyline for the Green Bay Packers in 2022?
2: Uh yeah, my storyline is how good are Aaron Rodgers' new toys? He lost his uh, Woody. He lost his Buzz Lightyear. But there's a lot of there's a slinky still available in Christian Watson who can get down the field and jump. <laughs> there's there's Rex in Romeo dubs. That man, he's he's a tyrannosaurus with them hands, firm grips. <laughs> All jokes aside, how good are these new how good are Aaron Rodgers new toys? Real deal. Sorry, I couldn't help it. It was too fun. We, we look at it, you know, you, you lost Devontae Adams, the biggest piece, his best, his go-to guy. Uh, you lost Marquez Valdez-Kanling, another go-to guy, leaving with Alan Lazard, who stepped up in big moments. But when you really look at it, with Devontae Adams being gone, we're talking about 150 targets a season that are up for grabs. Everybody wanted the Packers to go get receivers. They got a good one of Kristen Watson, despite where he came from, a small school at North, North Dakota State. Uh, he was a good he's a good receiver and he's a guy that a lot of people think he's going to have a great, great start to the NFL. Romeo Dubs out of Nevada was Carson Strong's go to guy. And I know that's not a big name. I know we're not looking at Carson Strong like, oh, man, he had Romeo Dubs. He's going to be great. But Aaron Rodgers is the type of player who can make wide receivers and he can make them better. And I think with those two young guys and the additions or the 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 leftovers of Randall Cobb and what Alan Lazard has been able to do with uh, Aaron Rodgers in the last couple seasons. I don't think they should miss too much of a beat. Yes, it's gonna, you're going to feel the Devontae Adams loss, but Aaron Rodgers knows how to, how to win games with what he has, uh, and I look forward to seeing if these new toys are going to make Watson feel like or make Rodgers feel like he hasn't really missed a beat or if they're going to take a serious step back this year and have to go back to the drawing board and come at it next season.
1: Remember the song Jay rock wrote a few years ago? If everything else, win, 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 win. That's what the Packers need to do. I mean, every single year they do win. I guess they win the little the, the the regular season. They win the regular season. Congrats, everyone's talking about them. Watch out, Super Bowl contenders, Green Bay. Here we go again. Let's jump on it until they don't. They don't. They don't get anywhere. Uh, yeah, good, good, good. I mean, you look at this. It's ridiculous, ridiculous year after year. Thirteen straight wins in three straight years under Matt Lafleur, right? Three straight years of thirteen plus wins. You ain't got nothing. To, you haven't even been to the Super Bowl. I mean, come on. I'm sick and tired of this narrative of the Packers every single year. I know you lose Devontae Adams this year, but that shouldn't change anything. you got one of the greatest quarterbacks in the league, and, and I'm sick and tired of it. I want him to start winning football games when it matters most. And, and, and until he does that, I'm not going to feel any sort of differencey, differencey, any different towards <laughs> the Green Bay Packers. Differency. Making words, like making up words here. I like it. I like it. Yeah, I don't know All if I, "difference"
3: is well, a word there. Yeah, I mean, I mean I just
0: making up. I think I just we're just making it up as we go here. We're just making it up as we go. Uh, yeah, words. I mean, you're right. They they have not they have nothing to show for it other than those nice records and some conference championship appearances and things like that. 2022 is on the horizon, though. Aaron, what is the game or maybe games you're looking forward to most when you look at the Packers schedule?
3: Well, I think what you want to do is you want to compare them to the best, right? And their schedule, when you look at it at first glance, it's not very strong. We can look at their division games, which, you know, we always say division games are tough. You're looking at a Tampa Bay when they have to go on the road. And then outside of that, you're looking at the Bills and the Rams. I'm looking directly that Sunday night football game at Buffalo on the road, because if you're going to be a team that's going to compete in the NFC, you're going to have to be able to beat quality football teams on the road. And early in the season, you might catch a Tampa slipping. By week seven or eight, usually teams are starting to get into form, and I think that's where a Buffalo matchup is going to be a true test for a Green Bay Packers team who now has to figure out how to replace Devontae Adams. I know A.J. mentioned Devontae Adams uh, might not be as big of a loss as, we, as some people may say because we know that there's other guys that can step up. They have Aaron Rodgers, but let's not forget, Devontae Adams had 90 yards in that game against the 49ers last year in that playoff game in the first half. He did nothing in the second half. Green Bay finished with 10 points. They have shown consistently that offense can be stagnant without a go-to guy. So is Christian Watson going to be that guy? Is it going to be a Romeo Dubs? Or does Alan Lazard take that leap and now become the number one? We forgot to mention Sammy Watkins, who may or may not be on the roster at the time. But I think that game against Buffalo is that first true test you get a Tredavious White you get a Kyrie Elam you get those those safeties back there that are two of the best safeties in football and now you say okay who's gonna go win these matchups when we need those matchups won? and I'm gonna say this maybe it's a bold take all the stuff I've talked about Christian Watson he's gonna be the best fantasy bat or receiver it would not shock me if the number one receiver at the end of the year for the Green Bay Packers is Aaron Jones
0: yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't. I be hope surprised not that.
3: When it comes <laughs> to when it comes to like receptions, getting that work, it would not shock me if he sees a ton of targets in that offense and he's playing more out of the backfield in the past game with AJ Dillon taking the bulk of the carries. It would not shock me at all. Unless one of those guys on the outside can actually step up and, and gain Aaron Rodgers trust. Because we know how he is when he doesn't trust guys. He's not throwing you the football.
1: Yo, yeah, and me, technically Romeo last
0: does. last year, Devontae Adams This and this is the drastic stat here. Last year, Devontae Adams 169 targets from Aaron Rodgers. The next closest had 65. That person was Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones five ahead of Alan Lazard, 10 ahead of MVS, and quite a lot ahead of Randall Cobb. So, I mean, this is you might that that might be you might be on to something when considering Aaron Jones being the wide receiver one for the Green Bay Packers. Let's see what we have them uh, looking like in terms of standings. Aaron has 12 and five for the Packers. AJ is at 13 and four Dylan's at 12 and five. And I am also at 12 and five and AJ, you know how I like to do this. What is one game that you have the Packers winning that most would think they would lose?
2: Um, I took them on a W at that Los Angeles Rams game, uh, Monday night football week 15. Uh, it's a prime time game. It's a big one. And uh, this is a game that a lot of people will be thinking that, you know, the Rams are repeating. But as we looked at last year and when their question marks came at the Rams, there's times where they're going to have their faults and they're going to – Matt Stafford won't be at his best. He'll have some interception-prone games. And, I mean, you're talking about a guy like Jair Alexander wanting to be up for the challenge of going up against a good receiver. I mean, I think he's chomping at the bit for a matchup with Cooper Cup. You know how we feel about Cooper Cup. Great receiver. We don't think he's that number one guy that everybody wanted to say he was. Uh, when it comes to all the receivers in the league. So uh, I think that's a game that the Rams could get caught slipping a little bit. And let's not let's not forget, Green Bay's a good team too. So uh, yeah. while some people may just look at them because they won the Super Bowl and give them the benefit of the doubt, uh, that's one game where I think uh, the the Packers are going to come out ahead. Kind of like Arizona's game last year when we had those questions about the two undefeated teams and who was best, and, and yeah. the Packers got the best of them.
0: I actually have Green Bay winning that game as well.
1: So do I I don't know if that, I think it's that's easy, crazy. It's an easy one. LA going across country in the snow potentially on a month in December. Not a chance in hell they win that football game. Yeah, I, I well,
0: have I have them winning that yeah, well Dylan, you you always do that. Like I don't know what <laughs> it is with kids <laughs> your age nowadays. Like you guys just always say like just the most ridiculous shit. <laughs> like you like 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 this is uh, like there's no, no way I, in no hell.
3: I actually yet. have the Rams lose I have the Rams winning <laughs> that game. So Oh my like, I, I have the Rams beating Green Bay then. But again, there's could you say they, that they're not because it's in December and it's in Green Bay? Yeah. But um, I have Green Bay struggling and, again on the road, obviously, for the most part. Games like Miami, um, they'll probably lose once to Minnesota, as they always do at Buffalo um, at Philly. This is, is going to be a tough game. But I have, them, I have them losing to the Rams in, as well. I, I told you I think the Rams will start slow but get hot, and you'll see that Super Bowl team as we come down the stretch. But the Packers are going to be good. I don't think that's like four or five. Right. I don't think anybody's debating whether the Packers still have the team based on their draft and what they've done to win that division. It really boils down to what Dylan said. What do you do in the playoffs? Do you lay right. an egg again, or does Aaron Rodgers get over that hump now that he's making $50 million and make the difference? And um, I'm sorry. I have to see one of those weapons step up because you lose Devontae Adams. I don't care how good your defense is. It's hard to say you're better without Devontae Adams than you were last year.
0: Do you think that the regular, and you, you said this for right off jump street, like their schedule, it, it, it like you want to see them get tested against the big guys, but there's not a lot of big guys on their right. schedule. Do you think that that's a bad thing heading into the playoffs when you only play, we got Tampa as a playoff, uh, playoff teams from last year, Tampa, new England, Buffalo, <laughs> Tennessee. Oh, sorry, Tennessee. I mean, but, but we're looking at it this year, it's really Tampa Buffalo and the Rams and Dallas. There's, there's not many teams on the schedule that you're like, okay, it's real. Most of those Green teams,
3: games. most of those teams that you said kind of regressed those Patriots, the Dallas Cowboys even regressed a little bit. Um, they, they don't have the consistent tests like we saw in AFC West, right? Where every week it's like, damn, look at that schedule down the stretch. It's like green Bay has a, a tough opponent. Then they got like four or five opponents that are, you know, winnable games. Then it's a tough opponent and then they do it all over again. So I think that lends to being a little complacent as you enter the playoffs, you haven't been as battle tested consistently throughout the year. And that could cause a, a team that maybe do, they do get a first round bye, maybe they don't, who knows, um, but that first game, they might breeze past the first round wild card win, and then that second round game, they're not really up to the task because they haven't played enough of those quality opponents.
0: They played six playoff teams last year uh, in their schedule. This year's a little bit different. Uh, we'll see, I mean, like the Packers' regular season does. It's they're almost like under that like new, what New England was with Tom Brady. Like the regular season is what it is. They're going to make the playoffs. We'll move on from that. Show me what you can do in the playoffs. We'll move on now to the Minnesota Vikings. Dillon's Minnesota Vikings. Their schedule looks like this, including two primetime games, one on Thanksgiving Day against the New England Patriots uh, and one early on in the season, week two, against the Philadelphia Eagles. Dylan, our resident Vikings fan, please tell us what the storyline is for the Minnesota Vikings.
1: New regime, new ways? Question mark. Um, I, I think I mean, you got to look at this. I mean, you bring in a new GM, bring in a new head coach. You're trying to change it, right? And I like Sherb's comment, two ties, yeah. Two ties. Uh, I predicted that last year as I did with this team going very far into the playoffs. Uh, bit me in the ass. But, you know, um, looking at the team this year, I mean, it's it's a similar roster. They didn't really make too many things. But the new regime, I say new regime, new ways. It looks at the general manager and the way he handled the draft, trading with division opponents twice, getting weapons in your division. That was definitely a curious decision on his part. And and then selecting late in the late in the round to get a cornerback and there's just so many different ways that the Vikings could have gone about things. I haven't liked the new regime to get off to the start that they have right now, but we got to see how this team plays this year. Like I said, a lot of similar pieces on the roster. They just needed new voices and trying to, trying to break this thing where they're kind of being a little bit stagnant. So they just got to get over that hump, and hopefully the new regime can bring that to uh, Vikings fans.
0: Sorry, AJ, I lied. I have, I have to ask Dylan a question here. Dylan, last year, obviously, we've, we've talked about it. And if you guys are not familiar with our show and didn't see what our predictions were last year around this time, Dylan was a big Minnesota Vikings guy. He had them in the NFC Championship, I believe, uh, last season. And that obviously did not turn out so well. Dylan, are you feeling less confident about the Vikings this year or more confident about the Vikings? Obviously, maybe you're backpedaling on an NFC Championship. But like, are you feeling like this is a better team heading into 2022 than last season?
1: I think they're healthier. Obviously, you get Adam Thielen back. You saw what K.J. Osborne did last year. You got Justin Jefferson. You get some tight end production Uh, you're you're expecting there. And then you got Dalvin Cook back. You make a couple changes. I I, I am excited about this team. NFC Championship. That was was bold last year. Um, I I thought every other year seems to be the way they do it with uh, Mike Zimmer, but now Zimmer's gone. And Got a new head coach, so I'm feeling a little bit that, – that's one thing that makes me a little bit uncertain. But once again, NFC's wide open to where if they can start playing good football, get into the postseason, anything can happen. But I, I do feel less confident this year strictly because of the new head coach and just staying stagnant a little bit.
2: You started to answer this question saying that you felt good <laughs> about him. Then <laughs> he's ended it saying they're less confident. <laughs> And then you ended that by taking my headline. <laughs> You're all over the place, kid. That's my new headline. <laughs> I, uh, I'll i answer your question. I, I, I'm i not excited about this team. I think they're going to be stagnant. I think they're going to be the same team we saw take the field last season. And I he, you made a lot of good points, Dylan. You know, they are a little healthier. Adam Thielen being in and out and not healthy when he was playing was a big deal. Um, but I don't think they did enough. I understand. I will give them this. They had a good – a target for some of their spots that they needed help because that defense was not great last year. 27th against the pass, 25th against the run. They go ahead and they add Louis Cien and Andrew Booth throughout the draft. Uh, the Zazaria Smith was a great pickup to a pretty decent linebacking core. Uh, but I don't know that that's going to be enough. Uh, that's talent, but how does it mesh together? How does it all fit as a unit? I, I don't think this team in this NFC North comes out and shows us that they're the team from two or three years ago that you could have believed that could have gone to the NFC Championship. Love their weapons. I think Justin Jefferson, absolute, absolute stud. You know how I feel about Dalvin Cook all day. It's you know that's not the big deal. I think this defense is going to have to find ways to get together and be strong throughout the entire year, throughout the entire season. And I think the Tennessee North is slightly, slightly tougher. Here's my bold take. I wouldn't be surprised, and I know my records won't reflect this. I won't be surprised. If the Lions have a great season this year and overtake the Vikings and put the Vikings in third place in this in this uh, NFC North this season, said it meant it.
3: Yeah, my storyline's pretty simple. Is <laughs> Vinny likes to do this. Talks about the roller coaster of the NFL. I, I think it's the roller coaster of the Minnesota Vikings. And last year, it was the inconsistencies that we continued to harp on, right? It was like one week they looked like a team that could beat anybody, and then the next week they're losing to a team they had no business losing to. Um, I, I think you're going to get the same kind of thoughts of people going into this season: is are they going to be consistent enough throughout the year? to make an impact and maybe make the playoffs and an NFC that is not very strong. And I think that solely relies upon Kirk cousins, not having empty stats. And he had a great year last year, 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions, but this is about whether um, Kevin O'Connell can come in, change that offense to make meaningful numbers actually count for the minnesota vikings not just games they're down by 25 and kirk cousins comes back and throws three touchdowns or uh they're blowing out the detroit lions and he ends up with five touchdowns and 400 yards that game but then when it's a big game against the you know the chicago bears in chicago he's 125 yards and no touchdowns or whatever it is so um down the stretch can they be consistent and i'll just say it i disagree with dylan i and and partly even maybe aj i I think this team is going to be much more consistent this year as the season progresses. And late in this season, I think they make a run. I actually have them going to the playoffs. I love what they've done on defense. And I know I laughed at them all last year. No, they are not going to the NFC title game, but I do think they get in the playoffs. I think they finish as the sixth seed in the NFC as a wild card. And a lot of that I'm going to attribute to Kirk cousins. I think O'Connell is going to get Kirk cousins, to take the next step. I'm not saying he's an elite quarterback, but he's shown to be good. He just hasn't won when it mattered and, and put up numbers when it counted, and I think he gets them to do that this year. I liked what he did with the Rams, and I think
1: it happens this year with Kirk Cousins.
0: Dylan's so excited. Dylan no, I'm is laughing. so excited.
1: I'm laughing because Kirk Cousins is 33 years old, and he's talking about him taking the next step.
3: Uh, Matt Stafford was when when he took the next step? How old was he?
0: Eat shit.
1: Yeah, check that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Did That's he take that. It
1: he that a, step? He did, Absolutely he did. He did. <sighs> or was he just surrounded yeah, by man. good talent?
3: It got him stop over it, Stop
0: it. Stop it. Stop it. See, this it. is what
3: everybody does, stop. man. You have to be in the of right situation. He You're right. But he are you telling right me the Vikings yet. don't have the talent? No. When you just mentioned Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, two of the best two of the better players at their position in the entire league. Adam Thielen, who's been an all-pro receiver before. So yeah. he doesn't
1: have the weapons? I didn't say he didn't have the weapons. I'm just saying it's asking a lot for a guy who's been in the league for a very long time to take that next step. My point is the next step, a lot of
3: times, is just a change in coach. Matt Stafford goes to Sean McVay and Kevin O'Connell, and guess what happens? He's in the Super Bowl, and he wins it. So now you get Kevin O'Connell. He's already been
1: under under Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan. So what's that got to say about uh, next step with Kevin O'Connell? Yeah.
3: Sean McVay, when he was with the Washington football team or Redskins or commanders or whatever the hell they are right now, like you're talking about coaches young in their career who had to learn. Sean McVay made that learning experience with the Rams with Jared Goff said, I can't do it with this guy, but I can go out and get somebody that has the talent and take that talent, which was never developed fully and uh, attributed in Detroit and do that here. I think I'm not saying Kirk Cousins is going to be Matt Stafford. What I'm saying is a lot of what hinders Minnesota is not having a guy that is comfortable enough or a coach that has been able to take Kirk Cousins and make him win when it counts. I think Kevin O'Connell can do that. I'm not saying it's going to happen every game, but I think as the season progresses, you will see the growth in Kirk Cousins, not in the numbers category, but just on the football field. And I think, that'll, I think they win five of their last seven games this year. And I know Vinny wants to bring up the schedule here and move on to no, that. No, no, I, I,
0: I was going to bring up la- last year, last year the Vikings were only able to string along two straight wins and then reset and then two straight wins and then reset. So the consistent. It's going like to is- yeah. yeah, be like
3: that this year early. It's going to be like that early this year and then late. Yeah, they will go on a run.
0: It, it is. And I, um, I don't know if this is a hot take or maybe a stupid take or whatever, but it's a Cooper take. cup, Adam Thielen, same player same player. Oh, I think Adam God. Thielen's a little bit more consistent than Cooper Cup, and I would rather Adam Thielen over Cooper Cup. So, so um, that, Not
3: at this stage yeah. in their career. Not at this stage. Ad, okay, Adam, not at the, Adam not Thielen, Thielen stage is, of the is career. older.
0: Yeah, not at this stage <laughs> of the career, but give me <laughs> Adam Thielen's career Yee. versus Cooper, although Cooper Cup hasn't been in the league. Either way, I, I prefer uh, Adam Thielen over Cooper. I
3: will say, I will say it's not crazy when you go back and you look at numbers. Adam Thielen's only had 2,000-yard seasons, though. Cooper Cup's only had 2,000 yard seasons. He's got a long way to go. So, uh, but Adam Thielen is a touchdown machine, and there's a lot of things he does well. Um, you know, I don't know that I would go that far. And I'm a big Cooper Cup. Like, I, I try to push Cooper Cup down a little bit. Um, I don't know if yeah. I go that far. He had, but, a, he had a But, he had but, a but had let's make the people. real argument here. Is it, is it, it's not Cooper Cup to Adam Thielen. That's Cooper Cup to Justin Jefferson. I'll take Justin Jefferson all oh, well, day. Yeah, that's not and then it's close. Adam I, I Thielen maybe to Allen Robinson.
0: Yeah, and I, that, I, that's yeah. comparable. Yeah, I, I I agree. I agree. Now, when this we look is... at the schedule and our standings here, Aaron, you have nine and eight for the Vikings. Oh. AJ, you have nine and eight. Dylan, of course, the highest out of everybody with ten and seven, and I'm have them at eight and nine. And that and AJ, you were the one who were like, you were like, don't be surprised if the Mid- or the Detroit Lions come up and surprise <laughs> and surpass them as the second best team in the <laughs> NFC North. I don't think they're there yet obviously with one, one win away. Now I would have to be the, the one defending the schedule of the Vikings and why I have them losing a little bit more games than you guys. Uh, I see them losing against Philadelphia, losing against new Orleans, losing against Washington on the road in Washington. I I know that they're not that great of a team, but I, I think they, they pull it out. Uh, I think they lose to Buffalo, lose to Dallas. They lose one game to Detroit one game to Indy, and then they lose the back-to-back Green Bay and Chicago in week 18. Oof. And that was yeah, – so and I, I, I really
3: – I think that's a lot. Um, I don't know how many that was. I didn't count them all, but well, mean, I'm, it, assuming it the, I'm assuming you got to the – I'm assuming you got to the nine. It's nine
0: losses. You... It's only one, and I'm assuming you have them beating Chicago at the end of the season. And uh, honestly – I,
3: I do. I do.
0: I had them, and, and uh, to be completely transparent, when I was putting this together, I had Chicago, and you can look ahead, and we're going to get into them in a second. I have them at two and fifteen, and I originally had them losing to Minnesota, and then I was like, that's just disrespectful to give Chicago one and a one and sixteen record. So I just added on that little that little <laughs> tidbit, and it brought Minnesota down to eight and nine. That's where I'm at here with Minnesota. I thought Minnesota I gave has Minnesota. four of their
3: seven games. At, at home, their finals for the final seven games are at home. Um, I think those are great matchups. The New England game the, um they play the Jets. I actually have them losing to the Jets um, at, at home and then going on a run. Detroit, Indian, the Giants, they win. They lose the green and beat Chicago to round out the season. They go nine and eight and they sneak do, into a wild card.
0: Do you have them splitting with Detroit?
3: No, I have them beating Detroit twice. OK, I think they match up well with Detroit. I've always thought Minnesota matched up well with Detroit. Um, Chicago and Detroit I can see Detroit stealing games there but and we'll get into Detroit but yeah I, I I do I agree with Dylan and Minnesota is they were a solid team last year personnel wise they weren't bad and then you add the weapons um, you add those weapons I, I think the defense the linebacking core is going to be better the DBs are going to be better I think it's a, um, I, I think it's a,
1: a big deal Sherm is speaking facts right there wild
0: absolutely wild I'm with him. I, like
1: I said, my
2: record wasn't gonna reflect it, and you know that's where we are now. And obviously, we have to watch the games be played. But you know, we we were we had our feels about the Lions last season. I know we're not there quite yet, but they improved. I mean, like every loss they had was a fight. Nine times out of ten, they were in every game. They never gave up, and their and their offensive line was injured. I think they're gonna have a much better offensive line. They're gonna have better personnel. and They've a year a year wiser. I, I like what they've done. And as we get there, I, as of now, I have them where I think they should be. But every year, there's a team that surprises you. And I wouldn't be too, too shocked if, you know, they're <laughs> the team in the NFC North and the Vikes take a little step back.
0: Yeah, yep. Let's go on to the Chicago Bears. And their schedule looks like this, featuring three primetime games, uh, one against Green Bay, one against Washington, and one against the New England Patriots. That That game just sounds gross to me. To be honest, the Monday night football game, Justin Fields against Mac Jones in New England. Uh, it just sounds gross to me, but that is the Chicago Bears schedule. Uh, let's see the storylines and which one entertains me the most. Uh AJ, yours entertains me the most. So you will start Ooh. this off. What is the storyline for the Chicago Bears heading into 2022?
2: Yeah, it's the story of Justin Fields. Uh, how are we going to use Justin Fields this season? Uh, We have all been quite loud about how he was not given a fair chance last season. They did not use him correctly. He was set up to fail, in all honesty. Seven and ten touchdowns and interceptions. Didn't even crack 2,000 yards and below a 60% completion rating, as you see there. Um, Justin Fields has a load of talent, and he never really got to unleash it last season. Now, they didn't help him much by getting him no weapons. So that's number one that's going to be an issue. But are we going to find creative ways to allow him to use his feet, to allow him to scramble, to allow him to get those instincts going, just allow him to play football the way he instinctually plays football? Are you going to find ways to get these receivers that you have open? Darnell Mooney may not be a number one receiver, but he's fast, he's speedy, and he's crafty around the high point of the ball. So are we going to allow Justin Fields to get the deep ball off and see if he can start making a connection with some of these receivers as they try to get better going on in the year? As long as he's not set up to fail, and can spend this season actually learning the game of football because I don't think he was able to do that in the NFL last season under Matt Nagy. Their future is headed in the right direction. Their present is very bleak, in my opinion. Uh, So it's just about how he's used this season and if he's going to be set up to do the right things to become a better quarterback year over year from this point on.
1: Chicago Bears, man, I tell you. This team is just something else. Right now, my storyline is Ryan and Matt 2.0. It's Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus is no longer Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. They got the new GM, new head coach, similar to the Vikings. The only difference is here with the Bears, they just, they are so mediocre that it's ridiculous. You look at the list of their head coaches, and I'm going to go through, uh, going back to Lovey Smith, right? Defensive minded head coach. He was there for a long time, right? After that, he goes, they go to an offensive mind of Mark Tressman. Mark Tressman goes from an offensive mind from the CFL. After him, they go to John Fox, a defensive-minded coach, which then goes to Matt Nagy, and now goes to a defensive-minded head coach, which is Matt Eberflus. So, I mean, they're going back and forth and back and forth, back and forth. It's something that the Bears constantly do, and they don't have any sense of direction. This year's going to be awful for them. Their offensive line is bad. Defense is getting older. They move move Khalil Mack out of the way. There's just a lot of moving pieces on this Bears team. They don't have hardly any weapons. They lose Allen Robinson. You got Mooney. Other than that, I tell you, this Bears team is going to be atrocious to watch this year. Watch out for that. I'm sure a lot of Bears fans will go out there, negative 20 wind chills on freaking Christmas Eve to watch them get their ass smacked by the Bills. I'm sure people well, are a, circling that day.
0: That's a passionate fan base, and I know we're going to talk about uh, something along these lines in just a few moments, but like, this is the reason why the Bears continue to get like put on television is because they, they do that. They, they, their fans are dedicated and willing to go out in the cold, but Aaron, what is the game that bears fans should be looking forward to the most this season? What's that, what's that big game for the bears this
3: year? (laughs) Big game. There's no big game when you're going three and three and 14 or two and 15. Look, this is about, this is about trying to compete within your division. I don't think the bears are coming into this season. I know every NFL team feels like they have a chance to win, But we all know that's not true. I think the Bears are coming into this season and saying, how do we grow? How do we see the improvement from Justin Fields that's needed? And I think those games are going to be the division games. How are we competing within this division, which honestly is not the strongest division, right? You have a Minnesota team we just talked about who's kind of mediocre, a Detroit Lions team that seems to be getting better, but we don't know. And then a Packers team that only lost pieces in Devontae Adams, they'll probably still be the class of the division, but maybe that's a game you can go out and split one with them and feel good about where you're going as a franchise. So this, to me, is not about a specific game. It's about competing within division. If you can split a couple of those series within your division, go out and get a couple of other wins, and start to see the progress in a young quarterback that you're trying to build your franchise around. But it really boils down to the general manager putting the necessary pieces in place for them to be successful and so far they haven't done that. We talk about surrounding young quarterbacks with talent. Their young talent is Darnell Mooney. 81 catches hey, last year. Cole, Cole Komet, 60 catches, David Montgomery hey. 42. Outside of that, who are their weapons that they play with? They don't have anybody. Byron Come Pringle on, who's probably in in jail I think still from what he did driving <laughs> doing donuts don't- with his babies in the car or or um Jones the senior oh, citizen. Yeah. Put- Put some Velas respect Jones is- on Velas
0: Jones, okay? Put some respect. <laughs> of course, on I have Velas to respect Jones. my
3: elders. I have ha! to respect my elders. So, like I'm just saying, so you know, an older guy coming to the NFL, how is he gonna perform? At the end of the day, this is about building that franchise out. And this year it's just about finding wins where you can, and I don't think they find very many wins.
0: Yep, yep. And we have their their standings looking like this three and 14 from Aaron, four and thirty or three and fourteen for Aaron. Four and thirteen for AJ. Dylan is uh Mister Optimistic for the Bears to five and twelve, and I'm at <laughs> two and fifteen. And I really had a hard time giving the Bears more than one win. Like I said, I I, to- I tossed it. That's di-
3: that's disrespectful. I'm I, I feel mine's a little low. Justin what? Fields will get. One or two or three wins by himself. He'll just find a way to be dynamic enough to beat a Washington team on Thursday night, or to beat the Jets, yeah. or to beat the Falcons, or to beat the Lions, yeah. like yeah, or beat New England, yeah. like, or beat Houston. Like there's winnable games on their schedule. The Giants are there. Um, they will find a way to win a cup. Some games. I probably would have them more at four or five, but when yeah. the way I did my schedule, it it panned out the way it did, so I gave them three.
0: Yeah, I, I I'm. I'm willing to look like an asshole with the Bears. Sorry, Bears fans. Come at me in the chat. Moving on to our final team of the NFC North. Shout out our boy Curtis Steele as we go into his Lions. And if you have not already checked out Lions on the Prowl, please go do so. He has a great Lions podcast. It's just if you need to get your insight on Lions, check out our boy Curtis Steele, Lions on the Prowl. Their schedule looks like this, including – no primetime games whatsoever. None, zero, not one, zero. <laughs> Ex- and they have the they got that the Thanksgiving great. Day game in the afternoon against the Buffalo Bills. That's it for the Lions, which kind of brings us to our first talking point of this schedule. Going to you, Aaron. I know I've kind of went to you last on everything, but you got to go first here, man, because this is it's no primetime games for Lions
3: and I run the risk of talking out of both sides of my mouth here because I have two points and one of them kind of contradicts the other only because I'm going to come at Kurt for making comments in the, in the, in the chat. Um, I'll be honest. I'm going to go at the NFL first because I think this is just blatantly disrespectful to a franchise that seems to be doing everything right. And, And when I say everything right, like Bringing in a culture, changing a culture of, of a losing franchise for so many years and trying to instill a different a different mentality there, which Dan Campbell has brought over and they're featuring them on hard knocks, but then they say, but you're not good enough to be on national television for primetime games. Meanwhile, we're giving the bears in the same division, three primetime games. And I get the bears have great history, but the bears who have proven to be kind of a pedestrian franchise for a number of years with not as, they're not even as talented as the, as the Detroit lions and we're giving them three. So I think it's, this is a uh, blatant disrespect by the NFL I don't think it's right. I think Detroit should have a nationally televised primetime game other than the Thanksgiving day game and everything they've done, everything they've done, they've done it the right way since they bringing in Dan Campbell. And and I think they should be rewarded for that. I thought they had a great draft free agency. They're building it the right way. And that foundation is strong. And I think the lions should be rewarded. Now, with that said, you can pull back to four screen for me here with that said, um, Kurt, I'm sorry, but you had mentioned they're going to split against Minnesota. The Lions have – they got one win against Minnesota since 2017. Like, (laughs) let's not act like they're beating Minnesota every year and splitting with them every year. So me having Minnesota sweep them, I think it's okay because they beat them once, and that was last year. Uh, Most of – in 2020 – 2019 and 2018, they swept them. So I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility, but I don't want to go too hard on the Lions because I really, really like where they're going and they should be on national television.
0: They should. They should. AJ, what's the storyline this year for the Lions?
2: They are my Raiders of the NFC North. I think they are going to be the surprise. I, again, my record does not reflect that because I'm looking at it today on paper and what, we, what we've seen from them. And as we talked about with the AFC West, you know, Aaron got all heated because you know, the Chargers hasn't proved it. Well, the Lions haven't quite yet proved it. They have proved they can fight. They have proved that they will battle to the end, and they proved that they are getting more and more talented by the day. They had a good draft. That defense was what they focused on, and then the move of Jamison Williams I think is going to be big for their offensive side of the ball. We talk about Jared Goff all the time, but, again, a former number one pick who knows the game of football in the NFL. Uh, he's, gonna, he's, he's not going to hurt you as much as some other people might have had they not had Stafford, obviously. Um, so I, I like what the Lions have done. I think that they are going to get better and better every season. Uh Frank Rag now being healthy and coming back to that offensive line, I think is going to be a big deal. It's going to create the running room for DeAndre Swift and allow Matt or not Matt Stafford. That's just a, you know, what they used to wish that they still had. Allow Jerry Goff some time to get the ball out to these receivers that they went and got in uh the come up of Amon Ross St. Brown, your boy DJ Chark over there and uh newly addition Jamison Williams.
1: That's my dude. Yeah, the Lions are intriguing. I, I think that's one word that you could say when you look at this team. Obviously, my headline here is how do you turn heart into wins? And that's something the Lions haven't had a lot of in a lot of years, um, wins. you got to turn heart into wins. They play with so much fire. They're one of the most exciting teams to watch, not <laughs> because of the product they put on the field, but because <laughs> of how, how hard they try. And they try so hard. You're, not, you're getting effort from them, right? And, and that's what you need to do. You need to find a way to translate that effort and that heart into some wins, win some close games, and, and get over the top when it comes to that aspect. But, I mean, I like this team on paper. I looked at their depth chart. They look pretty solid, especially on the offensive side. I think a big, big um, potential X X factor here is DJ Chark. I think if he can come back from injury, this is someone who's, who's got his, his one-year deal, someone that I don't think has a lot of heart. I saw him a lot in Jacksonville. He's, he's a weak guy. But, I mean, he's got to find a way to get there. What are you looking at? What are you looking at, Aaron? I'm telling you how it is. The Lions, they need to translate this heart into wins.
3: You legit will find any reason to bring up DJ Chark.
1: Never. I looked at what? that and I said, if there's, okay, if the Lions want to be, okay, if not, it's Quintez Cephas. You got Amon, You got Jamison as a rookie coming off injury. If DJ Chark isn't that extra veteran in the room, it's Quintez Cephas.
3: They have Josh Reynolds there who came on and played really well for them last year. Bring in a Jamison Williams, Amon Monroe Brown. But I'm, what I'm saying is DJ shark is not going to make the difference between the lions getting three wins and the lions getting six or seven wins. DJ shark wasn't even good in Jacksonville. He, he, had, had, one yeah, he had one, one good, good season. Yeah. had One good season. And I told you, and guess what? Thank I told God. you after that year, I told you after that year, he wasn't talented. He wasn't that great. And yeah. you argued with me. And to this point, he's still not that good. Wasn't that he's good in not, high school? Wasn't that good in college? I
1: he's can, not that good. I can attest that he is not that good. Okay, he pops in and says that, but I mean, and honestly, then you call him
3: soft, and then you call him soft, but you you praise yeah, the Lions' heart and like they play like you you praise the Lions like they were a, a good football fit. team. You praise. I don't them. think hey, he's well. A they fit. try
1: really hard. I think under under Dan Campbell, that guy's gonna get his ass kicked. I mean, you look at look at his track record when it comes to health and staying on the field, a, a rolled ankle. I'll sit out this week. Something something small he's always missing games. Little tedious stuff throughout the course of the year. Even in the year he had his thousand yards. He missed a game. That's not a guy.
3: But that's not so that's not fair to question somebody's heart because they have injuries. injuries I happen, I that. And some but guys it's, it's, can't it's, play. Can
1: you play through it? Can Julio Jones played through a lot of injuries during his career? And he did
3: nothing when he played through him. Like, if you're not going to be, when you're on the field and you're going to be a detriment to your team, I don't want you on the field. If you're a wide receiver and you have an ankle injury and you can't cut, what good are you doing on the field? None. Nobody believes you. That's why Julio, over the past couple of seasons, has been a shell of himself. Because he can't do what he used to do, and players know that. So I'm not afraid of that.
0: I think I think Kerr brings up a really good point in the chat, and this is why he's the Lions guy here. Chark is just a placeholder for Williams. Williams will yeah, come in and deal. just take over, and Shark will not be. Oh, I'm rooting, I'm rooting for Chark. I'm I i, I did not hate him completely in Jacksonville. Baby, Chark, 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 Chark. I actually babies. did hate DJ Chark in Jacksonville. I, I actually really I loved did. Him. Um but when you look at the schedule you know. and you look at their standings here, Aaron you have him at five and twelve. AJ you have him at six and eleven. Dylan, you are the lowest at 4 and 13, and I am the highest at 7 and 10. Now, do I get a chuckle out of any of you guys for 7 and 10? or Should I defend myself yeah. here? Okay, I will say
3: something, and I want you to defend it because okay, go ahead. Yeah. I think we, we run the risk of doing this a lot when, we, when teams have really good off seasons and they're going in the right direction. We automatically think that that team, oh, man, they got to be better. Like they have to improve, but it's not, it's not true. They don't have to necessarily that the improvement doesn't have to show up on the scoreboard at the end of games. They had a lot of close games last year that they lost. That doesn't mean they're going to have a lot of close games close this year that they're going to win. It just means we saw improvement. So I caution the people that are thinking the Detroit lions are going to take that huge step, which is why I kept them at, you know, four or five wins. Um, I think you'll see a better product overall. Yeah. But less less wins on the on this. I stands.
0: remember I'll take it back here and you and I were actually together for this. You and I were sitting at that bar watching the Lions in week 1, week one or week 2, I believe. Week one, and 49ers. We saw them come back and just fight against the Niners and I'm not obviously saying that like leaning on that as my my substance here and and my crutch, but they showed that fight. They showed that they have the will to do it. Now they just they really just needed to add the players to to make it happen. And I'm not saying they're going to make it happen, but you guys laughed at me last year when I said that Jared Goff, I don't think is that bad of a quarterback as everyone makes it sound. And last year he didn't finish as bad as a quarterback as everyone thought finished 12th in the league in completion percentage. He was 20th in yards, 20th in touchdowns. That's so not the best, but now he has a Monroe St. Brown taking another step. He'll add Jamison Williams. DJ Chark is going to be there. You'll have a healthier TJ Hawkinson and a healthier Deandre Swift. I'm not saying Jared Goff is a top 12 quarterback, but I'm saying he's a quarterback that can at least win you seven games. You have Jeff Okuda, hopefully playing into the the, (laughs) hopefully being the player that you want him to be. Now you're
3: stretching. Now you're stretching. No, I'm just saying you have Jeff. You you
0: have you're hoping that Jeff Okuda can become the player you want him to be. I'm not saying he's going to be the player you want him to be, but. He is there. He's got the potential. And when you look at the schedule, and I'll break it down for you, there's seven wins. I think that they beat Philadelphia. I think they surprised people and beat Philadelphia week one. I just remember last year's game, last year's start of the season for the Lions, and I see them finishing the job against Philadelphia while they try to figure out the pieces together around Jalen Hurts. I think they beat Seattle, not a hot take. I think they beat the Giants. I think they beat Minnesota. I think they beat Carolina. I think they beat Chicago. And I think when Green Bay is resting all their starters, they beat Green Bay to finish off the season. Those are my wins for the Detroit Lions. I don't think they're that crazy to say that those are – those are they win those games. Oh, of
3: course. It's, it's not crazy. It's not crazy. Um, the way you talk about Jared Goff and those numbers, like – those The problem with that thought process is the Detroit Lions still, as much talent as they brought in their young, they don't have the roster to support a quarterback that only puts up those kind of, those kind of games. They still need that quarterback that's going to go above and take a roster that's still challenged to, to get wins. And I think that's the problem is if you put, maybe you give that roster, Patrick Patrick Mahomes that roster. It's a different conversation we're having. Maybe you give you know Russell Wilson that roster. It's a different conversation. But when you give Jared Goff that roster, you're asking where does it overcome those things? Yeah.
0: Kirk Cousins. the
1: other the
0: the other thing with Jared Goff here, though, is that what's the what's the common thing we say with like a Baker Mayfield or a Carson Wentz? They're gonna go out and lose you games. They can go out and lose you games. Jared Goff, I don't think is going to lose you that many games because of like a bad turnover. Last year, he was sixth, he was the he had the sixth best interception percentage, right around cars, right around Kirk Cousins, right around Aaron Rodgers, right around Ben Roethlisberger, Dak Prescott, Tom Brady. He had a better interception percentage than Tom Brady. And I'm not trying to throw stats at you guys. What I'm trying to say is that Jared Goff is not going to be losing these games. So when you see the wins that I have for them against teams like Philadelphia early on in the season, uh, against the Giants, against Minnesota, I don't think he loses you these games. And I think that the talent, the potential, that, and the fight the Lions have wins you seven games.
3: I, 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 it's hard for me. I mean, Jared Goff's last season, it with the Rams, which was a much more talented team. He won nine. And he had Sean McVay, yeah. who's off offensive coordinator for Detroit.
0: Uh, Is it still Jim Pop? At, go, go
3: ahead and ask oh. Kurt. <laughs> go ahead and ask <laughs> Kurt. I guess my point is, like, he doesn't have a guy that's going to help him. I don't, I don't believe he has a guy that's going to elevate him. So if he's not elevated and the talent on the roster is still lacking and you're still relying on so many young players, and they're great. Like, I think they're great young players. And I've been on the Lions bandwagon. Um, I think we're, we're probably jumping a little too early on that bandwagon. I think another offseason, a franchise quarterback now in the building, and then you can start saying, okay, this could be a – then it could be a one-year change. Maybe go out and get a C.J. Stroud. Maybe they go out and get um, uh, you know a Bryce or somebody, and then it automatically just shifts, and we see that, that shift go from a five-win team to an end, win team, and they're in the fight for the playoffs. So um, I think we're a year early on Detroit. I really do, but I don't think you're going to look after this year and say, "Oh, they're just the same old lines." I think you're going to look at them and you're going to say, "Watch out! They're like they're coming." I really do believe that.
2: Yeah, yeah I, I feel think they're, crazy like, how we talk about like Seattle and stuff. They're they're a team that just has filled the roster around, and they just need to focus on being the best versions of themselves now. Because once they do get those final little puzzle pieces to put together. The team that can be fighting for the playoffs, too much doesn't continue to change. If health is on their side, you know, there's so many factors obviously that go into a winning season in the NFL. Um, I just look at this team and I think three extra wins is in the realm of possibility as well. So uh, that's where I had them falling uh, was the six, six win area. But again, I mean, some years there's just this team of destiny that makes zero sense. We can't explain it. They find a way to keep getting W. Yeah, you're not deluded.
3: You're not delusional if you think they get 7 uh, I do want to Sherm. So what Here's all the time Do you guys is... have uh, the backstory of Thanksgiving?
2: I mean no I think why, why, the,
3: why the Lions and the Dallas Cowboys On Thanksgiving every year?
2: Weren't they like the first two in the, in the NFL? Does it have to do with no, the Pilgrims? Mean,
3: no <laughs> No, it's simple <laughs> but When they first started the Thanksgiving Day tradition No teams wanted to play on Thanksgiving None Detroit and Dallas were the ones that said, we'll play, give us the game. We'll play. Nobody wanted to play. It's a holiday. And so the NFL said, okay, you know what? You guys are now our Thanksgiving day games here on out. And so no NFL team wanted it. And now all these NFL teams and all the media, well, why are the Detroit lions on Thanksgiving and blah, 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 because they're the only franchise that wanted to play on Thanksgiving. So allow them their Thanksgiving day game. It doesn't mean they don't deserve a night game or a, a, nationally televised game at some other time because if justin fields and the chicago bears can get nationally televised after what we watched last year the
1: detroit lions should be on tv that's all well, yeah that's bears are in the chicago market that draws hey, it's the lions nfl man it's
3: the nfl let me tell you something about the nfl we put every we put every team on on primetime at some point in time for like four years straight I mean, shit teams. The Jacksonville Jaguars were on Thursday night football, okay? Those are shit markets. Nobody wants to go to watch Jacksonville play in shit markets. No, the fact of the matter is it's the NFL. It's still going to be watched. When you go to Thursday night football, doesn't matter who's playing. Guess what the highest rated show that night is? Thursday night football. So I don't want to hear that they don't get as good as ratings as Chicago. They deserve to be
1: there. If you're a casual NFL fan, are you turning into the Bears on primetime or the Lions?
3: I'm watching if I'm an NFL fan, I'm watching either team. You're watching either. But that's my point.
1: A a normal fan that's not crazy like you. Like if they're they're sitting around searching the the channels and like I'm sorry, but this whole thought process that the Bears are some
3: revered franchise, people don't even know that anymore. Today's today's demographic of younger football fans don't remember when the Bears are good. They all think the Patriots should be America's team because they don't even remember when the Dallas Cowboys won a Super Bowl. And they talk about that. So the reason my, – my point is we have to adjust to – that we already adjust to today's game and who's good and who's not. Why are we not doing that with what we're seeing these teams do on the offseason? And I think Detroit – I'm really passionate about this because I think they got screwed. We should be watching them. Simple as that. Yeah. We should at least have one Thursday night, Sunday night, or Monday night game. Probably not a Sunday night, but a Thursday night or a Monday night game where the Detroit Lions are on TV because Dan Campbell, number one, is great TV.
0: Mm-hmm. Great. So agreed. All right. That does it for our NFC North coverage here. Our final standings look like this. It all looks like we have the Packers at first, the Vikings at second. Uh, we're s- No, yeah, it's it. Well, Dylan, you actually have the Bears third. You are the oddball here. You have the Bears third. Everybody else has the Bears. Uh, Oh, yeah, no, you have the Bears. Yeah, never mind. I'm not getting into this. I have the Bears third, last. If you, need, if you need to, him,
1: we I all
3: have the I'm Bears there. last, except for Dylan. We all, he all have the third. Bears
0: last, except, for, yes, there it is. That's what I was trying to get at here. Words are very hard. Whew. Another show down. Another one to go on Friday live at 8 p.m. Eastern time right here on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. AJ, please. I felt like I sounded like the guy from the Proud Family, like Oscar Proud. For or uh, no, not Oscar. What's the what's the guy's name from Proud Family? Man, you know in the the show. About, I gotta Rachel. go
3: eat. I'm hungry. I don't even watch that show.
2: He doesn't watch cartoons.
3: Well, AJ, <laughs> what's that? What's
0: that character's name? I, I mean, I
2: I thought it was Oscar as well, but um, damn it. been a long time oh, for me. It's <laughs> been a long time for me.
0: It's gonna, gonna drive me that's nuts. <laughs> tell them where they can follow us at.
2: Yes, yes, yes. You can follow the Sack City Podcast at Sack City Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Make sure that once you get there, you make sure you find that heart button, you click it, you find that thumbs up button, you click it, you find that subscribe button, you click it, you find that share arrow, you click it, and then you go and you text all your friends and tell everybody about the Sack City Pod because everybody deserves to know about the best NFL content on the interwebs at sack city pod facebook twitter instagram youtube and TikTok. guess what your boys are back in town
0: bingo we appreciate we'll all be the back love. again live friday at 8 p.m eastern time for a fun and games friday episode covering the afc south and the little uh trivia game back again for friday's show because we're all four on so uh there'll be trivia There'll be AFC South coverage and so much more. You're not going to want to miss it again. Be sure to subscribe and share. And if you miss this episode or want to go back and listen to it on your drive to work tomorrow, please check us out on your podcasting uh, platform of choice. We are there grinding it out everywhere. Oh, got rhymes to finish off the show. All right. Yeah. For your boy, AJ Johnson, for Aaron, the Mukes I am Ukes, And for old Dylan Kearns, I am me. We will see you Friday. One
3: love, everybody. Peace out.
1: Bye. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's what we call a sack lunch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 <laughs>